0: Welcome to the All of Life podcast from Redemption Church Tempe, where we have conversations on faith, culture, theology, and beyond to help us live all of life, all for Jesus. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the All Life Podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. I'm Josh, one of the lead pastors here at Redemption Tempe, and we are in this Word and Spirit season, a season of Word and Spirit, seeking to go deeper into life with God through His Word and His Spirit. And uh, for this episode, we wanted to re-release an older episode that we had a while back. And one of the things I love about this one is this is where me and my wife Holly Butler and John Crawford, we had a... Conversation digging in deep on um, more of our own personal stories. One of the things you're going to hear on the front end of this one is some of our stories uh, with the Holy Spirit, and uh, just you know uh, how how we kind of got to the different respective places that we are today, what some of the experiences were behind that. And so I like kind of the personal narrative aspect. And then we get into some topics, uh, tongues, unanswered prayer, and how do we be naturally supernatural versus, you know, kind of getting weird as we put it. And, um, and uh, you know, that some of those are topics that we also hit in our recent First Wednesday podcast, but I think you'll hear here, maybe a more, it's in a conversational context, and some different uh, flavors, you might say, come out in the conversation. So really hope you enjoy this. If you are listening to this um, right after it's released, uh, please come out to our renewal night on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, November 16th, our renewal night. It's going to be awesome, going to be good, a chance for us to uh, press into some of the stuff more together.
1: So that said, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the All of Life podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is John Crawford, and I am really excited for today's episode, uh, where I am joined with uh, one of our lead pastors, Josh Butler. Hello. And his wife, Holly Butler. Hello. And Holly, you are uh, new on staff. Yes. Uh, We just commissioned you on Sunday, and we're really excited to have you on here with us. Um, Hey, today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, But specifically, a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit in the church, and especially being filled with the Spirit, there's big questions that people have. And honestly, a lot of times we know this stuff gets weird. Um, And so what we wanted to do is, uh, as we have been pressing into renewal at the church, at Redemption Tempe, and we've been seeing signs of renewal, and it's been amazing. God has been showing up. We also know that there are big questions that people have. And so what we want to hit Today is we want to talk about uh, speaking in tongues and what are tongues. Uh, we want to talk about uh, just the just the reality that it seems like sometimes people's prayers go unanswered. And so, what do you do with seemingly unanswered prayers? Um, and then also, how do we prevent this from getting weird? Right, like <laughs> if we're pressing into the Holy Spirit. Um, We know, like, we've been using this spectrum of, on the far end of the spectrum, and a lot of times in charismatic circles, it's like flags and snakes, and it can just get really wild, really chaotic, and really honestly weird, and freaks people out. And so, um, I'm excited to dive in, and really just, yeah, Josh, Holly, thanks for being on here. Um, One of the things that I would think would be helpful for our people that are listening— All of us are here sitting at the table um, having a discussion on this, but all of us have stories and experiences, and I would love to hear, man, just your stories and experiences with encountering the Holy Spirit. How have you gotten to where you are today? And so, Josh, would you, man, share some of that with us? Totally, yeah. You know, so I came to Christ
0: in college. I had this sort of radical encounter with the presence of Jesus, and even that encounter itself was really felt supernatural. It was this uh, sense of being in the presence of Jesus, which, in retrospect, oh, that was the Spirit of God being in the Spirit and hearing Him speak into my life powerfully and go, "Josh, uh, man, I'm, I'm coming after you." <laughs> you know, and it it just rocked my world. And immediately after, I found myself uh, going back to college. I was at the University of Oregon, and just it very naturally, I suddenly had these experiences that were. Holy Spirit stuff, you know? So I had, a, I remember the first one, I, I had just gotten back to school that week. It was right after this experience. And and I um, saw an old friend in this like flower shop on campus or something. And as I was walking away, I felt God give me a specific word, hey, you need to tell them this. And I was like, no, dude, I'm going to seem weird. Yeah, that seems so strange. So I went back to my dorm room and I avoided it. Uh, and the next day, it was still God saying, you need to say this. And it was also weird. And so finally, after about a week, I worked up the courage and I called him, like, hey, this may sound really crazy. Uh, but I feel like God put this on my heart that um, I, my, my sense is he wants you to know this. And my friend, dude, just, she just started crying, like sobbing. And there was hmm. this whole backstory of stuff with her family and things that had gone on that summer that I had no way of knowing. And it was like, dude, the spirit of God just spoke deeply into her life. Wow. And after you get a taste of that, you're like, I want more. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, so I was yeah. like praying for it. And, the and, and, and then I was working a lot internationally in college too. And so I was seeing stuff, not only, Um, In kind of those next couple years after, but then traveling internationally and being connected to the global church and seeing like, dude, they're talking about God's raising people from the dead and God's like just bringing like Mm. healing and and wild things and meeting people uh, in some of those poverty stricken, suffering, crazy things and like God was healing people of cancer and He was healing, you know, just wild stuff and I just assumed. That's just what this is. Like, this is a Christian faith. Like, God, Jesus is on the throne. He's given us the spirit, and he's moving and shaking, and boom, like, stuff's going on. And then I got a job at a church. <laughs> 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 then I stepped into ministry in Portland, amazing church, amazing backdrop. And actually, a lot of us as leaders— actually believed in or practiced or pressed into some level, but it was not a part of the culture of the church. Mm. Part of that was because Portland, Oregon, uh, and just the modern West, there was a high suspicion and skepticism about spiritual things. Totally. And there was almost like—I think the unspoken assumption was, dude, if we talk about these things or press into these things, it's going to be a turnoff to people that we want to reach for Jesus. And so it's almost like the culture developed where that stuff was just sort of not pursued or a hunger for it or present— and that suspicion and cynicism, I think, um, yeah, and, and I had, and so I saw a quieting down of those things in my own life. And I think one aspect was the context I was in, that, that, what I just mentioned. I think another aspect was I felt God kind of convicting me too, that um, the way I put it was like like I had come to rely and a bit too much maybe on the fireworks, you know, kind of the big yeah, explosive yeah. And miraculous. And it's almost like I got to this point where it felt like I needed those things to know that I was okay with God. And I felt like God bring me into the season where it's like, dude, the gospel's true. Jesus is on the throne. I love you, whether or not mm-hmm. you know that stuff's going on. And it became this kind of deep roots place for me in the security of the gospel at, at that level. Um, but years later, in short, <laughs> Holly was kind of going the, through this renewal in her own life and stuff of, of this nature. And I began getting this hunger for it. And I found myself at a different place than I had been years earlier where I hmm. found myself going, okay, God, I don't need it anymore, but I want it. Wow. You know, like, yeah. like, I don't need it to know that I'm okay with you, but I want it because I want to see you move in my life. I want to see you move in our family. I want to see you move in our church. I want to see you move in our city. God, I want to see you rock and shake our city and the world, you know, and, and dude, I want to be a conduit of that Jesus you're on the throne your presence is real and it's here you've given us your power presence and so we started pressing in and uh last story this is long but I remember that night Holly and I were praying with some friends going Jesus we're hungry for you we want to see you move in these kind of ways mm. and we wrapped up kind of late it was like 11 11 30 when our friends left and I went up to bed and as I laid down I just prayed for this and I felt God say call Luke this friend of my Luke, I'm like, dude, it's 11.30 30 at night. My mom told me don't call anyone after 9 30. But the guy was like, no, call Luke. So I'm like, all right, so I called Luke and he, he was like, Josh, how did you know? I'm like, how did I know what? He's like, I'm at the hospital right now with my wife. She's about to go in for this extreme surgery that just last minute, this crazy thing that came up. And I asked her, is there anyone that you want to visit you? And she said, yeah, Josh Butler, one of our pastors, only no, don't call him because I'm worried it'll be in the community. Mm. He's got so much stuff going on. Yeah. And wow. God had you call. <laughs> you know, like, I, wow. we didn't call you, but God <laughs> did. And so I went to the hospital and was hanging out with him till like, 2.30 in the morning. Next morning, I got up early on my way to work, and I felt God say, hey, call Sebastian, this other friend of mine, and something about his back. And so I called, and he's like, dude, I threw out my back. I've been laid up in bed. I have nothing. And so I went to pray with him, visit him, mm. help him get his stuff, whatever. And it just, like, the stuff started steamrolling again. And there was a bit of that, ah, you have not because yeah. Ask not, you know, and like going. Yeah. God, I want to come boldly before you and seek mm-hmm. these things, and
1: I'm hungry to see you move.
0: Hmm. In ways,
1: man. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's mm-hmm. good, man. Thanks for sharing that, Josh. Uh, Holly, I'd love to. I'd love to hear, especially Josh just mentioned you kind of went into this season of renewal, which kind of sparked some stuff in his story. I would love to hear. Yeah, what's kind of been your journey with this?
2: Yeah, I think so. As a new believer at age twenty five, I was healed of panic attacks right away. Hmm. So that was the first thing. And that was amazing and really changed my life um, in significant ways, just not only the salvation aspect of following Jesus, but being free from panic attacks and just seeing right away that like Jesus cares about my whole self. Yeah. and um yeah. and then, yeah, just kind of a string of events, too, where I feel like, God would show me something or tell me something, and then it would come true. And mm-hmm. I, my personality like is more. Well, that was one. That was one. Yes, <laughs> that that did come true. <laughs> um, but I, my tendency more is to like hold on to those things and pray about them,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then kind of go through more of a process. Um, I feel like Josh, you you just like act on those things so quickly. I was like, oh, I need to like pray about it and think about it. Yes. But um You're
0: that's wise of you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I think further down the road, too, as I began reading the scriptures for myself and especially in the New Testament, I was like, what is all this stuff that yeah. like don't we get to do all this stuff? Hmm. Like, why aren't we doing this stuff? <laughs> and as the years rolled by, it really started to bother me a lot. Hmm. And I started talking about it and took it to our lead pastor, and he was like, Why don't you teach on it? And I was like, "Well, I can't do that. I'm not a teacher, and well, you know, I, all my excuses." And he was like, "Well, he's like, I think God is calling you to it." So mm-hmm. I went to an intensive season of research and um, talking to people. I flew all over the country visiting churches that were doing these things, and um. And I think that...
0: I remember you went after it. It Oh, I went
2: after it big time. Yeah, I read through the entire Bible and underlined every single instance where some kind of Holy Spirit activity was happening. Mm. The whole Bible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was kind of intense about it. And, yeah, never looked back. So here we are.
0: Yeah, you were like Goodwill hunting, dude, like where you didn't have the official degree. You you put yourself through. So I remember the stacks of books and the podcasts you're listening to and going to the churches and visiting conferences and yeah. processing with friends and pressing into it. Yeah. And then God was starting to move and do things. If maybe one other piece that you didn't mention, mm-hmm. I think would be powerful to hear. Um, you started leading these cohorts in our living room. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. Talk had about an those. impact in our hometown back in yeah, Portland. Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I did. I started to, te- I did start to teach on these things. And yeah. I actually used John Wimber's book, Power Healing. That's kind of what I settled on as like my teaching book. And I would just ask God to show me who to invite. Mm-hmm. And some people would say yes, some people wouldn't. So I would go through about six to eight weeks uh, in the, these groups, um, doing some teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And then we would just practice it by praying together. And we started seeing all kinds of miracles. I mean, wow. all you know, all the stuff we've talked about so far in Redemption, Tempe—that um, healing is emotional, spiritual, physical. So we were seeing physical healings, yes, but also lots of uh, family dynamics, broken relationships, those things. You know, people coming back together, healing with those things. Mm. Um, we started to see like demonic activity. That I was like, whoa, that's like a whole other thing. I need to research. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. We, I kind of developed this like funny saying that Friday nights were for casting out demons <laughs> and <laughs> we just have the most random people in our house on Friday night
0: quick side note yeah. I remember one time I was going to meet you and another leader here or something you know and I was running late I'm like hey I'm running late Holly, Holly's a bit
1: late from coming back from casting out a demon or yeah, something yeah. and he
0: was like what it <laughs> yeah. really obvious. yeah, it's
1: funny. yeah. <laughs> oh it's a, that's yeah. a decent yeah. reason to be late to meeting yeah. us <laughs> <laughs> like yeah Holly's just doing this exorcism deal I was like oh okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no wonder Hell why (laughs)
0: well yeah but you had around i mean i would say over the course of what a couple years or you had uh, probably about 150 to 200 people who went through our living room these cohorts that we were doing and it sparked a bit of a movement like some of them then launched other ones and you had a Mm -hmm. whole leadership team and so we just saw god kind of
1: starting to do this thing and then god called us out
0: Mm -hmm. here yeah
1: yeah and you've been helping lead a lot of the, the renewal mm-hmm. stuff here at Redemption Tempe. I know you led a cohort through the Power Healing Wimber mm-hmm. book this summer. Um, and then we've been pressing into renewal. And uh, yeah. really, it's not anything that we tried to bring on, but just seems like, man, the Spirit of God has been doing amazing things in the life of our church. And yeah, I know that I have learned a lot from your leadership in it and just really grateful for you. So, Thanks, John. Yeah, I, I mean my my journey with this stuff is is really interesting because um I have uh I shared in a sermon recently like I have a moment like of salvation. Not everybody has that, but the reason why is because man, the the pastor who was preaching, it was like a prophetic sermon for me. Um and I was sitting in a sanctuary. I didn't know this guy. It was like a couple weeks after going to this church. It was 1,500 people in a sanctuary. i never met the, the pastor who was preaching. And, man, it was like God had given this guy a prophetic window into my life. It was as if he had followed me around, like recording my life for the last year. And so this sermon is literally speaking to everything that I'm feeling. And I have this encounter with Jesus the first time. I'd heard the gospel thousands of times, growing up around the church, and then had gone wayward for almost six years, and then in this sanctuary, have an encounter with Jesus, The and the Spirit gives this guy, like, words for me, I really felt like, and so I became a Christian, believing, like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, this guy, how did this guy know this about me, right, it's one of those things where, it's just, geez, but then, um, I get turned on to Reformed theology, which we are a Reformed church. I wholeheartedly believe in Reformed theology, and that's the the doctrine that that we hold to and I, I firmly believe. But early on as a Christian, um, I really started delving into um, a a lot of a lot of Reformed theologians and then also pastors. There was an older guy who had uh, retired from pastoral ministry who took me under his wing, and he was discipling me. And a lot of these shaping voices early on in my Christian life um, were all what we would call cessationists. And if you don't know what that means, don't worry. It's just a crazy theological word that most people don't know, essentially means that you believe that the gifts of the Spirit, a lot of the things that we're talking, ceased with the apostles. And so that's where the word cessation comes from, that these things are no longer taking place today. And so I was reading these theologians, I'm being discipled by this guy who's saying like, yeah, you know, those kind of things, prophecy, deliverance, speaking in tongues— those kind of, like, that stuff doesn't happen. It happened in the book of Acts, but it, it ceased with the apostles. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm reading this stuff and diving in, and I begin to form this theology where I can theologize my way out of any kind of signs and wonders. Like, hey, the, the thing the Holy Spirit does is just regenerate people's hearts, take the dead dead person, you're dead in your sins, and gives you new life and new birth. That's the work of the Spirit and um that was for several years and i fully believe that i thought any th- any sort of like charismatic you know a- any of that like quote unquote spirit filled churches um really weirded me out and i was like i think it's unbiblical um maybe even demonic you know like mm-hmm. I-, I would i would have used that language mm-hmm. and then um long story short uh there's this reformed uh reformed theologian guy that I'm really shaped by. And I actually go to this conference and hear him speak. And, uh, he was actually charismatic. He was a reformed charismatic Mm -hmm. and he shared this. So it's a guy that I really respect, right? It's not a guy I'm going to be like, Oh, he's a heretic. I'm going to discount him. And he shares this journey kind of like what we're doing. What was your journey into like encountering the spirit pressing in? And he shared this powerful story where, um he was pastoring church uh on the west coast and he had gone down to central america spanish speaking country um for a trip and he was preaching at this church this guy does not know a word of spanish and uh he gets up his translator is standing next to him and he tells and he tells the story and he's like i get up to preach um my translator is right next to me i start preaching And I look over at my translator, you know, a couple minutes in, I'm like, dude, why are you not translating my sermon? And the translator looks at him and he's like, dude, you're speaking perfect Spanish. And the guy's like, I don't speak Spanish. What are you talking about? You know? And so he then said, like, that what he encountered was like the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. filled him mm-hmm. with a gift of tongues, which was mm-hmm. a different language that he had no idea how to speak. And he's speaking perfect fluent Spanish, mm-hmm. um, to these people. Wow. And so here in that story was, I was like, okay, this is a guy that I've, I've read his stuff. I've listened to his stuff. I'm really in like been shaped by this guy. And he's saying mm-hmm. he had this experience. So that opened up, you know, an opportunity. And then I'll, I'll fast forward, but, uh, I took uh, in seminary um, at the Missional Training Center. One of our professors came in, and he did this uh, class on pastoral care and discipleship in the missional church. And uh, he's a reformed reformed guy and up in Canada, and they started having stuff happen at their church. The Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. was moving and working, and they were seeing deliverance from demonic power. They were seeing healing. They were seeing prophetic giftings, and it just happened out of nowhere. And so he's teaching this class and uh, a lot of the things, I won't get into all the things that he's saying, but he's making a very strong biblical case for the things that are taking place. And I'm like, okay, this is one of my professors that uh, has mentored me. Anytime he's in town from Canada, we would meet up and I'm like, dude, there's something going on here because this guy was even like, dude, I used to be a cessationist and this is happening. So this opened up the opportunity for me to say, the theology that I have, Reformed theology, and what I believe about the gospel and the kingdom, this opens up the door wide for these signs of the kingdom because we believe the kingdom's already here, but not yet fully. But if it's already here, it means we can experience some of these mm-hmm. things, right? And after that, um, I was I was desiring it. So kind of like what you guys said is like, man, we mm-hmm. want this. Like not that we need it, but man, I want to see stuff like this. I want to I want to experience this. It was right after that, I just started praying. And uh, those of you who have heard Jim share the story, um, you know, Jim, I prayed over Jim's elbow, it was healed instantaneously, but that was actually the second time. So after I took this class with this professor, I was actually, uh, I was down at Florence Men's Prison doing like a prison ministry deal. And we did a response time after the sermon, and all of these guys in prison just came up for prayer, right? And we're praying over, and I pray over this older guy, and... Long story short, he's healed instantly. And I'm like, this did not just happen. I'm like, this guy, this guy is like messing with me, you know? But he's like, no, you can ask my buddies. Like, I prayed over him and the pain left his body immediately. And I was just wow. like, oh my gosh. So I tell the director of the prison ministry, I was like, dude, this is insane. This just happened. I've never encountered healing, anything like this before, this is the first time. And the director of the prison ministry just goes, yeah, that kind of stuff happens all the time in here. He's like, I'm not surprised. And I was like, wait, what? So then after that, it was praying for Jim and then praying for someone else. And there was a, a series of about three or four people that got healed within a month. And I'm like, okay, God's doing something. And then that gave me a greater hunger. And then there's been a lot more experiences and encounters that I've had where it's just like, man, this the spirit, what I have encountered, it is undeniable that like, man, the Holy Spirit is operative in these ways. And so that has made me just want to press that much further into this because I've seen, man, this is something that Jesus did in His kingdom ministry, mm-hmm. and then He's given us His very presence and power of the Holy Spirit to continue His mission in the world. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's interesting because all of us have different perspectives, um, but uh, and, and how we got here. But one one of the things that honestly, if I'm just putting my cards on the table, that still actually weirds me out um, about some of this is speaking in tongues. (laughs) And so before we dive into this, I would even just love to hear quickly. Uh, You don't have to go in depth on it, but what's your your experience been like with tongues, speaking in tongues? Have you spoken in tongues?
0: Yeah, I'd love to just hear. And even to set it up, I would just say, man, this is probably the most frequent question that we found Mm -hmm. comes up in some of this conversation. One of the big ones is Mm -hmm. going, do you believe that you have to speak in tongues in order to mm-hmm. be filled with the spirit or whatever, you know, however you're going to put it? Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some prominent teaching out there that says that. And uh, even just in our membership class this week, that was like one of the big questions yeah, that came was. up like, Hey, you know, and, and so it is interesting. I feel like this comes up a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah,
2: yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like early on when I started teaching on these things, The Lord said, I am not going to give you this gift because I want people to see that you can walk in the Spirit without having this gift.
0: Hmm.
2: And it hasn't stopped people from trying to give it to me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Even in my own classes, I have people trying to pray that gift on me and telling me how to do it. And uh, if I only read Acts this certain way or Hmm. practice this certain way or, I mean, I'll just... You know, pretty much every charismatic church or conference I've been to, I have strangers coming up to me saying, "God told me to pray this gift on you," and I'm I'm like, "Okay, go for it," but still nothing. So I have actually just recently, like maybe a couple of months ago, I spoke in tongues for the first time. Um, it was during a worship service, you know, just quietly as I was singing, and then it was gone. Mm. <laughs> One time, yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and for me quickly yeah uh so i've experienced it as more of a so backdrop i, I remember in college i was in japan at this like amazing church just sold out leaders in jesus and i wasn't trying to i got like the whole slain in the spirit thing or you know like we have people praying over, it, and there was this guy from Somewhere in Africa, he was praying over me. And I was thinking, like, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to go down. I'm mm. not, you know, like, holding my leg. I didn't, didn't want to just do it, to yeah. do it or whatever, you know, or feel any pressure to you. And next thing I know, boom, I'm, like, flat on my back. And I'm, like, <laughs> speaking in tongues or whatever. Like, whoa, what's going on? And then after that, I found, mm. like, it became almost, for me, more kind of that, like, that personal prayer language. And so it's not mm. something that I've really, like, mm. done in public. And it's something I do all the time. But um, there's been times where, especially when I, I feel like my heart, it's almost like words cannot express or contain hmm. and yet uh it, it's uh yet it doesn't just feel like oh, i'm making babble up or whatever you know like i'm just yeah. making stuff up or it it, it uh, the context is like communion with god and something that almost like an expression deeper than words you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah oh that's interesting yeah for me uh i've never experienced uh speaking in tongues um and a long time ago i didn't desire it and then i was like man i was actually desiring it but it's never happened um and uh, all of the other kind of signs, wonders, those types of things I've experienced and encountered with prophecy and with deliverance and with healing, but with speaking in tongues I never have. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wanted to ask just because Josh, what you're saying, it is like the most frequent, and I think a lot of times people do because there is this narrative like you're not actually a Christian, mm-hmm. you don't actually, you haven't been filled with the Spirit or baptized in the Spirit unless you speak in tongues. I think it's helpful just for people, our listeners, to hear like. This isn't something that we've had, you know, all of us, a lot of experience with. I mean, even you, Josh, even someone who has experiences and not like you're speaking in tongues all the time. And, you yeah, know. I mean, I would even say one of the reasons that I
0: don't often like publicly or, you know, like, I mean, there's multiple reasons we can get into. But uh, partly because of what Holly said, knowing that there's hmm. stuff I can put this weird pressure on mm-hmm. for like, oh, you need to or have to, especially... Church leader. I don't know. So just being sensitive to that. Yeah. But in short, you know, I think there's the short answer is, you know, do you have to speak in tongues truly filled with the Spirit? No. <laughs> like, yeah. Theologically, no. Yeah. Experientially, for us, no. Uh, but maybe it would be helpful to talk a bit about some mm-hmm. of that why, even totally doctrinally. Hall, you've got some great thoughts. Yeah. On this.
2: Yeah. And I mean, Paul even de emphasizes it yes. when hmm. he's talking about that. Like it's the least important of the gifts. In First Corinthians 12 yeah. and
0: 14. 12, yeah. yeah.
2: But um, yes. So, you know the those who s- subscribe to that you need to have this gift to be a Christian. They have three passages that they go to mainly um, they're all in Acts, and um in Acts there's actually twenty two conversion stories, yeah. and three of them there are these three passages where the Holy Spirit falling on people is connected to the conversion, yeah um. But those three passages, one would be at Pentecost, so when all the Jewish people are there and, and uh, they're hearing the gospel spoken in their own language. And then the second one is an encounter uh, that a group of Samaritans have with the Holy Spirit. And then the third one is Gentiles. So uh, I think it speaks to these the inclusion of all groups of people. Hmm. That the Holy Spirit all groups of people have access to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And um so it's it's a very like unifying, um, like full gospel sort of coming together moment. Um and it's very healing, I think, for these people groups too. Hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's so powerful because I think even like within Acts where Jesus's great commission, or you know, like yeah. we look at Jesus before he ascends in in the gospels. And then Acts, he says, you know, you'll go, you'll be my disciples, my witnesses to to Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, to mm-hmm. Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing these almost like markers of do the Gospels going out in Acts to the Jews in Judea, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, and then to the Samaritans, and then even to the ends of the mm-hmm. earth. It's like the Spirit is empowering the mission of God's people. Yes. It seems to be the implicit yes. message behind these outpourings. You know,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Boundary yeah. breaking. No, that's. I think that's really helpful. Um, even tracing those through the twenty-two uh, conversion um, encounters and experiences and acts, even to to see that pattern playing out um, mm-hmm. is really helpful. Um, yeah. But yeah, Josh, I would love to. I would love to hear hear a bit more on uh from you just on tongues yeah, totally. and languages and yeah man yeah so a
0: few yeah a few observations that i, I find helpful first off is just the word tongues can sound kind of weird i don't know i get this picture of like you know your tongue a little red yeah. tongue slapping around here, but it really just means languages i think another way to translate that is, is languages mm-hmm. is what yeah. it's talking about right tongues is another word for languages and uh, i think on this question a really helpful place to to go First is really just in First Corinthians 12, 29 to 30, Paul explicitly says that not everyone has the gift of tongues. Not hmm. everyone will speak in tongues, right? So yeah. he asks here, he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And the subtext in what he's saying there is no. right? Like, yeah. like no, not everyone is apostles. No, not everyone is prophets. No, not everyone is teachers. No, not everybody speaks in tongues, right? Yeah. And he's affirming that's reality. Like he's talking about uh, the body of Christ, different gifts that are all meant to build up the body and the spirit, working in different ways through different people at different times. You know, and so, um, so Paul is affirming explicitly here, dude. You don't need the gift of tongues in order to be truly filled with the Spirit and building up people of God. Right. That's so helpful, man. Um, another observation that I find helpful is just recognizing that this gift of languages mm-hmm. it shows up in different ways in the New Testament. So, two big moments I think are in Acts, like Holly was talking about, yep. um, specifically Pentecost, Acts 2, uh, I think it's good to look at, versus in 1 Corinthians 12, 14. These are two big passages where languages show up. And what's helpful to recognize is that they're very different in mm-hmm. how they show up, right? So, if you remember uh, Pentecost, like this is where Jews are gathered from all over the Roman Empire. All these different nations that they live in now, and they speak that language. They've grown up there, so they're coming from these different cultures to um, these different places to Jerusalem for Pentecost, and they all hear the gospel in their own tongue. Peter stands up; he's preaching the gospel, Mm -hmm. and it's like your friend, you know, the the church. Like they're hearing these guys who don't speak their language speak, like they're Peter, and they're just speaking, but everyone's hearing it in their own language. Yeah. And part of the power of what's happening here is they're hearing the gospel in their own heart language, in their own context. And they don't stay in Jerusalem. When Pentecost is done, they're all going back home and they're Mm -hmm. carrying the gospel Mm. with them to their home places, home cultures, home contexts, to bear the gospel to those places in their own language. Mm -hmm. And so I think within the context of Acts, part of the power of this scene is it's about the mission of God that. He's going out to find his people, like, like through Absolutely. this out in all the world. And this is different, say, for example, from Islam, where uh, my understanding from the stuff I've read with Islam, but like, to order to truly understand the Quran, yeah. you have to learn Arabic. Mm-hmm. Like, the English translation or other languages, you're not really getting, like, dude, you're, you're missing it unless you can really fully uh, uh, learn Arabic and hear it in the, in the own. Other than, otherwise, and essentially, you got to go and get to, Allah, through getting the right language to get there, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a flip that we see in the gospel from mm-hmm. that, you know, which is going, no, God is coming to find you mm-hmm. in your own, in your own language, language, in yeah. your own tongue. It's and so, so cool. I think part of the power of that passage is not just, whoa, they could speak in tongues. It's going, dude, God is speaking his gospel. He is bringing the good news of Jesus to the nations in a yes. way that you don't have to leave your culture to come to whatever. Like God is going into your culture define you, and the Gospels becoming enculturated in all these different, you know, nations and cultural environments around the world. So that's, that's one observation. But then also, if we look at 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, here Paul is giving instructions to the church in Corinth and going, hey, here's how languages and stuff this gift is to be practiced. And he's actually confronting, going... Dude, there's some unhealthy use of this gift going on in the church. There's, uh, it's looking weird to outsiders because you're not doing it with proper order. There's no interpreter. It just feels like, I don't know, uh, people going off like with how spiritual they are or something. You know, like mm-hmm. that yeah. mind. And uh, I find it interesting. Uh, there's there's a pastor I love learning from a lot. Uh, his name's Andrew Wilson, and he talks about this these contrasts between the gift of languages though in Acts of Pentecost versus here in First Corinthians 12 to 14. and Here's just a few things he points out. He says, uh, in Acts, the gift of tongues is understood immediately mm-hmm. by the hearer. But in 1 Corinthians, it requires interpretation. Yeah, In Acts, it's done by Peter. Peter says that the tongues function like prophecy. In 1 Corinthians, Paul explicitly differentiates tongues from prophecy. In Acts, uh, the gift of tongues is seen as a blessing. It's like reversing Babel. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about uh, tongues even as a judgment on those who can't understand and hmm. relate to it. In Acts, tongues are a, uh, they're declarative and evangelistic, and so it's oriented towards other people and outsiders and you know b- being brought into the yeah. faith. In 1 Corinthians, um, it's oriented primarily towards God, like in prayer and thanksgiving mm-hmm. and song. Right? Hmm. In Acts, uh, its primary purpose is to edify the hearer, like the nations who are there listening, right? Uh, in 1 Corinthians, its primary purpose is to edify the speaker unless there's an interpreter present to help with that, you know? And so yeah. all that to say is I think that should alert us. We could probably do a whole podcast or a whole sermon, a totally. whole teaching, a like deeper teaching on tongues as a whole, but I think it's helpful just to recognize things like that and we go, man, th- there's more going on mm-hmm. than we might find at first glance. And I do believe the gift of tongues is, um, it's real, it's a blessing. I believe it's present today within the church a- at large. Um, but it's helpful to know, because of some of that prominent teaching out there in some circles, it's helpful to know, dude, you don't have to speak in tongues to um, really be filled with the spirit or walking in the spirit and any of that. And yet, God's gifts are good, and it's good to pursue them and desire them and you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like Holly said, man, that there are other gifts that Paul elevates even more, but man, on Christmas, I want all the gifts. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So why not ask? You know, why, why, not? Why, why not press into it and, and <laughs> pursue? And yet we don't have to feel guilt or shame or weirdness if it's
1: not mm-hmm.
2: happening. That's right. Yeah. Hmm.
1: So as we, as we talk about prayer more and press in, um, I think one of the things that oftentimes is another huge question, can be a source of pain, it can be really sensitive to people, um, is the, just the, the question about unanswered prayer. And, uh, you know, I I prayed, I asked for this. Maybe I prayed for a really long time, um, and it seems like God has not answered it. And that's, I know, um, Josh, you have even uh, addressed that in a few of your sermons. Um, And, yeah, I would just love to hear you speak to, yeah, just the question of unanswered prayer. What do you do with that? Mm, Definitely.
0: Well, for me, just to say, man, this is— not just an abstract thing. I think like everyone, this is a probably like most of us at least, this is a real reality. Many of you listening know in our church that, um, yeah, you know, I've, I've wrestled with uh, blindness in, in one eye, and there's kind of been the fear um, last year and a half or so of, of the other eye. And there's good news. God's stabilized, and there has been some element of healing and all, but there's still, like, I'm still legally blind in my right eye, and I've prayed for healing. I've had people pray over me. I've, you know, sought healing and all. And that has not yet happened, um, but I can think of other circumstances where our daughter was in the hospital for 10 days back in the day, and we thought we lost her. Hmm. Um, I mean, it was the most brutal time we've ever been through as a family, and there is good news that she came out the other, you know, the other side, and she's alive and well and, and great and all, um, but I didn't know that during those 10 days, hmm. you know? And you're put in that crucible of going, dude, what if? she doesn't. I'm crying out to God and he's not answering. Yeah. 10 days is a long time when the life, you know, when child yeah. was on the line. Oh, man. And, and I knew enough to know then that I have good and godly friends whose kids have not made it, you know? And so, mm. um, so there's a reality of being in the trenches like that. And, um, and just knowing unanswered prayer is, is a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say two things that have really helped me in this, uh, and we've talked about some of this on Sundays, but just to reiterate them. Uh, one is, big observation number one would be that Jesus had unanswered prayer. Yes. Right? Like Jesus mm-hmm. knows what it's like to have unanswered prayer. Mm. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's sweating blood. He's um, trembling, I'm sure, like as he prepares to go to the cross and saying, Father, I mean, his own Father, my Father, mm-hmm. if there's any way, Please take this cup from me. Like he's praying to the Father to avoid his torture, his beating, his pierced side, the nails in his hands, the flogging, the dehydration, the the death. You know, um, and God says no. You know, mm. and what we have to say, which Jesus would call us to this is. Why did God not answer Jesus' Well, it's not because God's not powerful. Mm. The answer. And it's not because God doesn't love. Like Jesus is calm. He knows the Father loves him. He knows the Father is powerful to deliver him. And yet he entrusts himself to the Father even when his prayers aren't answered. Mm. And I believe for us as well, like we can pray boldly before God. We've talked about in the past, I, I say, hey, Let's not pray that if it be your will, prayers. You know, like yeah. we're kind of yeah. like, God, I think you're probably not going to answer this. So I'm just going <laughs> to say, if it be your will, to kind of give you the out because yeah. I know you probably won't. You know, <laughs> um, dude, my kids don't approach me like that. Uh, they just come, up with, Dad, can I have the thing? Or I want the thing, you know, uh, that we can just boldly come before God's throne and, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I need. This is what I'm praying for and whatever. And yet, if God doesn't answer, it's like, yeah, but I trust you. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think it actually takes more trust to pray boldly to God because mm. you're entrusting yourself to his goodness, even if mm. he doesn't give you what you want. You know, mm-hmm. I think it actually, in my own heart, it's it's less trust when I try and give God the out because it's almost like I'm going to protect God from maybe having to not answer my prayer, whatever, you know, um, so that I can protect my own heart from being that vulnerable with Him. Mm. you know. And so yeah. I think... Yeah, big observation number one is going like, dude, Jesus had unanswered answer prayer, and I believe, like Jesus, we can pray boldly for the Father, what we want, and entrust ourselves to him and his faithfulness. Hmm. Uh, the second observation that, um, you know, we've talked about on Sundays, and I find it really big, but is that the question is not if God will heal, but when God will heal, that in the end, God always heals. And what I mean by that is resurrection. Like Jesus's yeah. resurrection means that sin and suffering and shame and death and all those things—they do not have the last word. And so, I may go blind in both my eyes. My daughter may die. I may get hit by a car tomorrow and go into the grave. Right? Like, like, and yet resurrection's coming. Yeah. Right? And so the question is not if God's going to heal my eye. The question when I sat in that hospital room with my precious five-year-old girl at the time and just my heart breaking you know the question was not god are you going to heal her the question is when you know and and i believe that um that changes the game a bit because Mm -hmm. there's a confidence that comes it breaks down the competition of like some people get healed some people don't or you know why did they get it why didn't i you know it's like no dude like when you see healing it's a signpost of the kingdom. It's of the not yet breaking into the now, which means yes. healing is good news for those who don't get healed too. Like, dude, if I see someone who healed of blindness, I'm going to be stoked, right? Like, not like, oh, well, how come they got healed of blindness? I didn't get healed of blindness. You know, it's like, yeah, no, like, dude, God is a God who heals the blind, and that's a sign that His victory is coming, and this doesn't have the last word on my condition. Yeah, when I see God heal a child who's on the brink. I don't go, oh, man, well, God, why don't you heal my child? I'm going to go, oh, man, this is a God who is able to raise us up from the dead. This is a God who is stronger than the sickness and the illness and the cancer that afflicts us and, you know, like all these things yeah. that threaten us. So God's answered prayers are hope for those who live in the midst of unanswered prayers. Yes. Right? Amen. God's answered prayers are not a contradiction to or an intention with, but they're actually hope for those of us who live with unanswered. Prayers. It's like you said earlier, the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. It's 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 not yet here in its fullness. Resurrection is still coming, you know? Yeah. And yet it breaks into the now. And yeah. when it breaks into the now, it draws our eyes to the future consummation when, dude, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He still died, you know? Yeah. But it was a sign that Jesus is the resurrection of life with the power mm-hmm. to raise us all from the dead. And so that means that Jesus raising Lazarus was good news for all the people around him in the graves who were still dead, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Yes. So, unanswered prayer, in summary, I would want to point us to do Jesus had an unanswered prayer too? So, you can be intimate, you know, you can have intimacy with him in the midst of your unanswered prayer. And two, God I hadn't forgotten you. <laughs> You're not mm-hmm. like sitting on the waiting list and whatever. You just didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Like, you can entrust yourself to your, his faithfulness, but your healing's coming because Christ's resurrection has secured it.
1: Yeah. I, I love, um, man, just the not if, but when um the confidence that we have the future hope of what we know the kingdom of god will be like that there is no blindness there are no children there is no death you know there are no sick kids there is no cancer there is no abuse and injustice all these things knowing that one day those things will cease it actually creates in us a longing for jesus to come back mm-hmm. right that we would actually pray Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Mm -hmm. And when you know that when, that it's not if, oh, this might happen, but when, it's coming. Like you said, resurrection is coming. That actually creates in us a deeper longing to see Jesus return face-to-face where he'll wipe away our tears, Mm -hmm. where healing and restoration will permeate all of creation, not just our individual lives, but communities, societies, and the entire creation as far as the curse of sin is found that makes, like, when we know that it's coming, you long for that day. And I think mm-hmm. to your point is when you see it break into the now, you actually can rejoice because you're like, that is a sign, like, praise God that this person's suffering has been alleviated and healed. But praise God, because I know that one day this will, this is a picture of what will permeate all of creation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Holly. Mm-hmm. How do you make sense of unanswered prayer? I know we've talked a bit about it. And and I love, yeah, some of the things that you've said, I'd love for you to share.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think even in the context of this, and, you know, I mean, really what we're talking about too is suffering. And I think in this process of wrestling with God and, you know, daily in our in these requests and like, God, where are you? And like, why haven't you acted yet? And like in that struggle, it's preparing us to be with Jesus, mm-hmm. and we're not going to come out of that experience and not be a changed person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and for the better, I would say, even, um, I mean, even when I look back on my own, like, sometimes years-long prayers about things that just seem to go on and on, and I, in the moment, you know, it's hor- it's horrible going through some of these things, but, I, but looking back, I also wouldn't trade it for uh, the relationship with Jesus that grew stronger in that time, and the spiritual maturity that came with it, and mm. the ways that I can relate to people better, um, hmm. have compassion—you hmm. know, those kind of things hmm. are invaluable. Yeah,
1: hmm. yeah. There's one of the things that you that you said when we were talking that that I love is you just talked about, man, being in the presence of God, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think you said something, don't quote me, you can correct me if yeah. my, my paraphrase of your quote is wrong, but you said something to the effect of you can't leave the presence of God unchanged.
2: Yes, that's that's right. I do say that. Yes. I love that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's just yeah.
1: like the the sweetness of like mm-hmm. prayer as communion mm. with God and like being with him. Yes. Um. Mm. Uh, yeah i love the way you said it he just said uh, it was mm. like oh man that's beautiful yeah, yeah it makes yeah. me
0: think almost like sometimes god pulls you out of it
2: mm-hmm.
0: sometimes god gives you his presence in it yes. mm. but either way those are both answers to prayer yeah yeah it's just maybe not the way that we want it mm-hmm. you know? yeah yeah like god's presence in it
1: transforms the experience yes yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. absolutely yeah
1: yeah, I think you know another thing, Holly, I'd love for you to speak to is just the idea of rejoicing
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, with those who rejoice. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Scripture calls us to also weep and mourn with those who mourn. Um, but one of the things, especially around unanswered prayer, is, yeah, what does it look like to rejoice <laughs> with those who are rejoicing?
2: Oh, man. Yeah, I think that's a really tough one. And maybe even at first also could be looked at as a spiritual discipline because Hmm. it is hard. Um, But the practice of doing it will, um, I think, draw you closer to Jesus and that person who you may be, maybe it's hard to feel like rejoicing with them. Um, Yeah. And I think just even personally, like I remember this time when I was, I was pregnant with our first daughter and one of my closest friends had lost a grandbaby and oh man it put a huge strain on our relationship and it Mm. was really awkward to just be pregnant around her and like I felt like I couldn't talk about what I was experiencing or or even just being happy about myself Mm. felt I felt like I wasn't allowed to do that um and I think uh if if uh our American culture could grow in an area; it would be rejoicing. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're good at uh, you know the cynicism and the kind of like joining into people's suffering and and all of that, but maybe not as good as the rejoicing.
1: Yeah, and and I think yeah, the rejoicing with others,
2: mm-hmm. you know.
1: Um, and I know that uh, Josh, you were talking about even man, global, like, just global perspective and some Mm -hmm. of the things you've seen and experienced. I'd love for you to speak on just kind of this global uh, perspective on rejoicing with those who rejoice. Totally. Uh, Because, man, one of the challenges I found in our
0: cultural context where I think we're often can be marked by pessimism or cynicism or those kind of things is it can be hard to rejoice with those who rejoice because, I don't know, I found there's almost a flinch off in our culture of, like, Dude, while well, you celebrate a story of healing, like, oh, my gosh, God did this. And it's almost like the default flinch is like, well, why didn't I get that? Or why didn't that happen to me? Or, you know, like it's a turn mm-hmm. inward mm-hmm. rather than a rejoice what's happened to them. And it struck me just in Africa and Vietnam and different places where I've been where, dude, like people have endured extreme suffering. They have mm-hmm. lost children. They've come out the other side of genocide. They've mm-hmm. just been through like horrors. And then when someone encounters like God healing or restoring or doing some powerful, the whole community just lights up and rejoices. And it, it, rather than turning inward, they turn outward to rejoice and celebrate like, mm. oh my gosh, look what God did. And oh my, this is a sign of his kingdom in our midst. And they're, it's like a magnet that they're drawn to to celebrate with the person. And uh, and so I, I, I feel concerned at times in our culture. I think it's more of like in the West. I saw it a lot in Portland. I think we can see it just in the West as a whole is like that sometimes when good things happen, if our default is to turn inward and be like, what about me? You know, like Mm. I think that's an area that God actually wants to grow us in where you can have some cultures that I think are all rejoice with those who rejoice, like happy clappy, like, oh, my gosh. And if there's anything hard or anything difficult, they kind of shy away from that. And they're not able to mourn with those who mourn, right? And I think the push there is, okay, God wants to grow you in being able to be with those who are hurting and weep with them and be in their suffering pain. But in a lot of the environments that I've been in in – 21st century American urban cities, whatever, I think the impulse is the opposite. It's almost yeah. like, um, dude, we're pretty good at mourning with those who mourn, but we can almost like glory in the suffering, like in a way that is mm-hmm. um we're unwilling to celebrate or rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, and I think yeah. the gospel actually, dude, I think that can be a thing that God wants to set us free from for going, yes, my suffering is real, but look what God did. I want to rejoice and so like I mentioned earlier, man, if I if I see someone healed from blindness, I'm going to be stoked, dude. Yeah. Even if I don't get healed from blindness until kingdom come. And mm-hmm. after I die the other side, I'm still stoked because that points to like the power of God, whom I hope is in. Yes. Uh, when our daughter was in the hospital, like, dude, even if she hadn't come on the other side, when I would hear a story of someone's child being healed, that would be like, boom, God cares about mm. Mark, even mine that I lost. You know, like that. Um, again, I, I think that there's a, a thing in our heart that God wants to do, where we are able to both weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Hmm. Because, yeah, dude, it's about God and His kingdom and His people, and both of those are a part. And it's now, not yet. So we enter into yeah. the fullness of that experience with our mm-hmm. community.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you know, even one of the things is you know, I know we, we've we hit on healing a bit, but this is not even just about healing, right? Mm-hmm. I think like there's, you see it with generosity, right? I mean, yeah. even, in our, even in our church, there's been, uh, I mean, thank God we have such a generous church, which is beautiful. And it's an overflow of God's generosity. But I even think about me, you know, there's all these cars getting passed around and people are keep being given free cars. And it's like, am I rejoicing that like, oh my gosh, this person just got given a free car? Or am I like, hey, where's my free car, right? Like, I I drive an old car. It's got 200,000 miles on it. Like, where's my free car? Or you hear of people, you know, being their medical bills are getting paid for. And it's like, shoot, Marika had surgery this year. I had, you know, sinus surgery this year. And it's like, am I rejoicing that uh, Mm -hmm. someone's medical bills got paid? Or am I like, well, where's my medical bill payoff? you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's easy for us to default kind of with this, like, well, what about me? Like, where's mine? Instead of, like seeing God's heart and his generosity as an expression of the goodness of his kingdom and rejoicing in this is our God, this is who he is, this is a preview of what's to come. Um, I think that that, like, it's not just with healing, but I think we can do it with a lot of things. I think you can do it with relationships, with generosity. And there's just a lot of stories when you see seemingly like, oh, they prayed for that, God answered. And it's almost like, you know, the genie in the bottle thing of like, they asked God and he just gave it to them. But I've been asking and not, but I think to be able to turn us, um, towards a posture of rejoicing and celebrating what God's doing in other people's lives. I do think it's challenging though. I think some of the things that you hit on with the West versus a global perspective are really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so here's the last, the last big question. Um, as we press into, uh, Reliance on the Spirit of God. And we're in this season of renewal of what we've said as a church, where we're seeing renewal all over, not just physical renewal with healing, but Mm -hmm. spiritual renewal. We're seeing people come to saving faith who Mm -hmm. have never uh, been a part of a church before. Like it's amazing stories of salvation. We've shared some of those. We're seeing emotional renewal and people being healed of deep wounds. We're seeing the renewal of our hands and kind of a renewed vision for mission. Um, As we press into this, though, How does this not get weird? Okay, (laughs) because uh, I think for a lot of folks, they might be uh, hesitant because they're like, hey, I was a part of a charismatic church that was really manipulative and used the Holy Spirit as like this subjective feeling thing. And all of a sudden it's like, well, this is what the Spirit said. And now what the Spirit told this person trumps and takes over authority over what the word of God, the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Or you have people that are just like, maybe they are cessationists. They don't believe in any of this stuff. And they're just like, hey, any of this stuff you guys are talking about, I'm really hesitant on. And so the reality is there are some really unhealthy expressions of Mm -hmm. uh, the the spirit field movement and more charismatic type of churches. And so I would love, Josh, first and foremost, you as one of the lead pastors, like what are, uh, are there guardrails to this? What are the guardrails so that we can actually make sure that we stay on the road, the way of Jesus, that we're being faithful and that we're not Essentially driving off the road into unhealthy, unbiblical expressions of this. Yes, it's great. Well, first off, on the weirdness, you know, like a personal story
0: I remember is uh, back in the day going to this conference with a friend, and uh, we traveled to a different different state, and we're in this conference, and it was, um, and I walk into the lobby, and there's a row of people on the ground, and um, a bunch of them are like down on the ground, like on their back, with their knees kind of spread out, and they've got people behind them kind of rubbing their shoulders, massaging whatever, and they're they're like going, <sighs> <sighs> you know, and, and like people <laughs> are massaging them and rubbing their back. I'm like, dude, what this is, is weird. All right, you know this what? <laughs> they got blankets, they got whatever, and and so I'm just like, what is happening? So finally, I walk up to someone, I'm like, dude, what what is going on? What are they doing? And they're like, oh. They're giving birth to a movement. I remember, I remember just as an outsider being like, "That is so weird." You know? <laughs> it's so weird. And one of the things I love about you know redemption—it's one of our—we we call kind of like our, our seven cultural statements—the kind of culture that we are and that we want to be is naturally supernatural, that we don't hmm. need to be weird or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to get wacky or crazy in order. Indeed, we believe that Jesus is on the throne. He's given us his presence, and God's presence and power are in our midst and, and available in us and to us and for You know, um, that, yeah, the person of the Spirit is live and well and moving, but the Spirit often works in the mundane and very natural ways, yeah. it doesn't have to get all wacky. And so what is the guardrail? Well, uh, first thing I would say is that we want to be a word and spirit church, a church who's about both word and spirit. And I think the word, like Jesus, the word of God, and uh, the word of God, scripture, you know, I believe those provide some structure and guardrails. And what a friend of ours, you know, Mark Sayers calls like form and fire. You know, you think of like the word, Mm. Jesus, the word, scripture, the word, our doctrine, all those kind of things provide a structure that's stable. It provides a structure, but the spirit, it provides the form, but then the Holy Spirit is the fire, dude. The yeah. presence of God in our midst mm. moving, and so I think you know what what you know what Jim and I have both spoken about on different occasions here is saying um, the guardrail is when Spirit gets disconnected from Word. Mm. I found I think that's when things tend to get wacky, and when Word gets disconnected from Spirit, that's where things tend to wither and die. You know, and so yeah. we want to be a community of Word and Spirit, Jesus and His presence, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. holding those together, and. I believe that's powerful. Two dangers that I think that helps uh, protect us from. One danger is what I call the manipulative, right? Mm-hmm. some One danger in some Pentecostal circles or whatever is uh, manipulative, where you can get in kind of the the God told me. Like, God told me you're going to marry me. Or God told me you're going to whatever. This is going to happen to you. And one of the things I, uh, you know, we... Holly and I teach on, you know, like veering away from that language and maybe using language more like, hey, I have the feel this feeling that God might be saying or that kind of thing, because you want to create space for the other person's discernment. Yeah, you know? like rather than just kind of boom, like um imposing it on them. And so we want to avoid a manipulative environment versus being the body of Christ where we're seeking to you know, seeking to discern together before God and community with his word and all that. Uh another thing we wanna avoid, I think another characteristic of where this can go unhealthy is the performative, mm. or like a performance culture where I've been in some Pentecostal, whatever environments where our uh, charismatic environments, where things can become very like, Oh my gosh, like it's almost like a competition to see who's had the most Holy expir- Spirit experiences and who's got the most things going on and who's the most expressive and doing whatever. And it's almost like there's this, you become this pressure of like everyone's trying to one up each other with like how quote unquote spiritual they are, you know? And that's, anti-gospel yeah know, like we don't need to prove or perform or need it to know that we're secure in god you know like mm-hmm. there's a confidence and a security and a freedom that comes in god's love for us and that's one of the foundational works of the spirit is communicate god's love for us and the security and stability we have mm-hmm. in him so um yeah so in short i would say we want to be a word and spirit church uh we're holding those together uh, because they're held together in the Triune god you know yeah uh, and uh, they are uh, yeah implicit within the trying God. And we want to avoid becoming a culture that is either manipulative or performative in that mm-hmm. sense.
1: That's good. I, uh, it reminds me of uh, I was doing premarital counseling with this couple and uh, they, uh, they came in our first session. We were talking and um, they were living together. Uh, we're open about having sex together and uh, so I was talking, using scripture as uh, the authority and kind of talking them through this. And they were like, well, hey, we've we've prayed about this. And God, the God told me part, that's what brought it to mind, Josh, is they're like, God's told us that, uh, that it's okay. And uh, that when he sees us, that he sees us as perfect. And it doesn't matter that we're living together and having sex before we're married. And I was like, uh, you heard God wrong, you know. <laughs> like uh, yeah. the Bible says otherwise, <laughs> yes. and uh, and so I think even just another guardrail. I, I know Josh, you were you were just hitting on this, but man, if someone is saying God told me mm-hmm. and it's contradicting Scripture, yep. The word of God, the Bible is the authority, which means you have heard wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it was just funny because I ended up, you know, I I was, we had the conversation, I ended up not doing Mm -hmm. their wedding and and their counseling, Mm -hmm. but they they were like vehemently arguing with me on like, no, God told us that this is okay. (laughs) And I was like, I'm I'm sorry, but uh, that's not the case. So Holly, I would love to hear, yeah, guardrails from you. What what would you say? How, How can we have some healthy guardrails so that this doesn't get weird?
2: Yeah, I mean, you hit on it, scripture is the number one thing. And, you know, you have to read scripture to know God's character, the kinds of things he would say, what God is like. So opening up the word and studying that and seeing the character of God and um, running all of, you know, anytime anybody speaks a word over you, you know, word of prophecy over you, checking that, hmm. God's actual word, his scripture is the number one thing. And then I think uh, taking that, Back to God. Like if, if it lines up with scripture, then taking that back to God and um asking Him about it personally and then your community. Um, and yeah, and then just discerning or testing the spirits to see what things are just other humans putting something on you versus what really might be the spirit of God speaking to you. And um yeah, I have this friend, maybe to illustrate this, I, I have a friend who early in her faith life had a a word spoken over her. And they said, you're going to be married to someone who is a sex addict. And she, being new in her faith, was just like, well, I guess that's what's going to happen. And so she kind of wore that word without um, testing it or taking it back to the Lord. And she did end up marrying someone who was a sex addict. It ended in divorce. I mean, it was a horrible marriage. But looking back on that, um, well, a couple of things that I would have done very differently for her, I would have just been like, "Oh no, like you don't, you can reject someone's word over you. Mm. That you don't need to wear that. Mm. You can reject it in the name of Jesus." And the second thing, if I were that person giving that word, I think what that person was probably picking up on was some kind of sexual dysfunction. Um, You know, my friend herself grew up in a very dysfunctional environment. Uh, And if I were the person seeing that, I would have taken that and prayed life over that Mm. person, not prophesied some kind of doom over their life, Mm. you know, but like, Lord, like, give them life in this area, Mm. some kind of prayer like that, you know? Wow.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, in the New Testament, Scripture talks about dude, testing the spirits and going to yeah. this room for discernment. Like mm-hmm. Holly's saying, like, you don't have to, just because someone says, okay, God told me, you don't need to accept, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. you, I even think of this week, we've had two people who've approached us with dreams they've had, and kind of going, hey, uh, could you guys may help us process through, like, interpretation, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But even last night, the one you know, I was responding to one of these, and um And it did seem pretty clear, and I gave some stuff, but even within that going, I I was like, well, here's what this seems like to me, and we prayed about it, and what, you know, it was clear. But it was very clear to say, hey, but take this, pray about it, go to God. What I found, Mm -hmm. this is more experientially, what I found is when something's really from the Spirit, it's almost like it strikes a gong or a Mm -hmm. chord in the heart of the person that just resonates. It's like Mm -hmm. you're, whoa, like it it brings... Clarity, not confusion. God yeah. is a God of clarity, not confusion. God is a God who is a good communicator, and so one of the things I feel really strongly about and good about is just going like, we don't have to force it. You know, if someone yeah. says something, you're like, oh, I don't know how that really sits and resonate. Pray about it, but if not, let it go. You know, like yeah. like that. Um, I, I believe again, God is a good communicator. He communicates clearly, and so you don't need to force alignment with it. You can pray about it, sit with it, but. If it's, if it's helpful and it builds up in Ephesians, probably, you know, like the purpose of uh, some of these kind of things is to edify. It's a building where to build us up in the faith. And I think in the New Testament, the primary imagery we see is like it's to build us up, to console mm-hmm. us, to edify us, to encourage mm-hmm. us, to build us up in our life with Christ. And if it's kind of had the opposite effect of like, well, I'm mean, kind of causing confusion for me or anxiety or stress, then let it go. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah, I think there's freedom mm-hmm. there to go guardrails are scripture. The contradicts Scripture; it ain't God, you know. And discernment for yourself with community before God in prayer. Um, yeah, there's there's space for us to discern those things before God in healthy yeah. Christian community.
1: Mm-hmm. It's really good, man. Yeah, this is. Uh, I hope this has been helpful uh, to you all who are listening. Um, as we come to a close, I just want to uh, share. This is one of my favorite quotes that has. Really shaped uh, my life as a Christian, not just as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus. Um, it's a theologian who's shaped the life of our church. His name is Mike Goheen, and uh, he writes in his in one of his books uh, that the kingdom of God comes as the Spirit works in response to prayer. Mm. So the kingdom comes as the Spirit works in response to prayer. And I share that because yeah. that that quote really encapsulates a lot of the reason why we're pressing into this, mm-hmm. uh, why we have uh, really dedicated and devoted ourselves to relying on prayer is that... Uh, we don't bring the kingdom. The spirit of God does. Um, and the Holy spirit is operating in response to our prayers. And so, uh, as we just talk about what the kingdom looks like, and we are seeing signs of the kingdom breaking into the here and now, um, yeah, we really want to continue to rely on the spirit. And, uh, one of the ways that we do that is through prayer. And Mm -hmm. so, um, Josh, Holly, thank you for your time. Thanks for being on here. And, uh, Tackling some of these uh, big questions Big topics that come up And for those of you who are listening Hopefully this has uh, been helpful uh, To provide some clarity And maybe uh, if you have had some questions Hopefully these uh, equip you better To understand uh, what the word of God says About these things And until next time We'll see you later Thanks for listening to this episode Of the All of Life podcast
0: To get more information on Redemption Church Tempe You can download the Redemption Tempe app Or you can send an email to Tempe at redemptionaz.com.